Okay. All right. So that's who's watching here. So hopefully that helps. I, I did hear some positive feedback from online. Already those that are here like hearing who's watching online because you don't know, but you don't know who's sitting here. So it's, to me, you're more connected than you realize. And your physical presence does matter. Your online presence matters. There isn't a priority. There, there isn't this, oh, you ought to be here because the Bible says you should meet. That is a baloney guilt trip that religious people say. I'm tired of it. You have the freedom to come, the freedom to stay home, freedom to watch. And I think that's really cool. So anybody that's here wants to be here, usually. So anyway. All right. Now, let's begin. The epiphany of hope. I hijacked the word epiphany because the Orthodox Church has been celebrating epiphany. And I thought, huh, there's some pretty neat things in the Orthodox Church. In fact, um, I thought January 6th was their Christmas, and technically it is. But did you know? There are other places and other churches that have the seventh as their Christmas. Oh, then there are others that have the fourth as their Christmas. And so to try and get it right is not possible. Uh, you do know that Christmas was not January, or sorry, December 25th. You know Jesus was not born on December 24th. That's a picked holiday, all right? A universal declared time so that the whole universal, let me rephrase that, the Catholic, a.k.a. universal church, could celebrate with a common union. There's a reason they did this, so the worldwide church can connect the word Catholic means universal. It's not Roman Catholic, but just, just in case you didn't know that. So anyway, I thought that was very interesting. But let's get into this. Let's get into some things that made me ponder this week. And there's some, there's some doozies. And uh, I, I had too many. So this is my paired back list, and it's long. <laughs> All right? Just the way the week's been. Don't believe everything you think. Think, no, think about that. You laugh, but think about that. We sometimes fall into the trap of because we're thinking it must be true. It's not the case. Not every thought that enters your mind is your thought. Thoughts are planted through books, movies, news, media, uh, interactions with people. Not every thought you have is yours. So just, I thought that was really good. And you can take it wherever you want, but I thought that was really good. Clutter is not just physical stuff. It's old ideas, toxic relationships, and bad habits. Clutter is anything that does not support your better self. I thought that was really good because Lori and I are decluttering our rooms in the house and stuff, and I have to declutter the church stage and room and, and my office and so on, and it's been, it feels good to clear and finally get to stuff and try to keep it clean. But I thought, it's not just the physical. But I do know this, that if my desk gets covered and stuff, guess what's happening to my mind? That's a picture of my mind, that I'm too busy or, because um, I'll, I'll throw it, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it, because I'm rushing to the next thing to get done, because I can do a lot of stuff, but the backlog catches up, and that's where stress builds. So uh, we'll see what happens this year, but I thought that was really good. Religious idolatry for us Christians at its core is when we love our beliefs about God and people more than we ever actually love God and people. 
There are people addicted to their doctrines and beliefs and haven't learned how to practice loving one another. I thought that was a good thought. Remember, this is the pondering time. It's not a sermon. When you think of faith as a war to be won, you see people as enemies to be conquered. When you think of faith as a world to be explored, you will see people as neighbors to be loved. Oh my goodness, that's really good. (laughs) I love this. I stole this from Brett. Brent. Sorry, Brent. Yeah. From Brent. We will never really know God as a compassionate God if we do not understand with our heart and mind that the Word became flesh and lived among us. The Word being Jesus, not the Bible. The Bible didn't come to earth and live among us. I love this one. Sadness is not equivalent to ungratefulness. Negative emotions do not cancel out the positive ones. You can and you are allowed to feel multiple feelings at once and it's okay if sometimes you're not able to express it all. Positivity becomes toxic when we try to correct how people feel rather than, rather than addressing why people feel that way. I thought this was good for those that are struggling with some anxiety and mental health issues. You know, give yourself a little more of a break and permission. And this one really, just as soon as I saw it, oh my goodness. The root of prayer is interior silence. Wow. How true is this? Let that sink in. There's your sermon. You can go home now. Don't, but... (laughs) I'm kidding. This was put up by a guy. Uh, I created the meme out of a post he made. He showed the picture, and he had this thing he wrote. And so I merged it and created a meme. I'll post it online after. But I thought, this was really, really awesome. I went to the ocean looking for a shell, and the ocean gave me a shell. I went to the ocean looking for the waves, and the ocean gave me waves. I went to the ocean looking for anything. Open, silent, just to be. And the ocean gave me itself vastness, awe, magnitude, power, mystery, more that I could take in. How futile only to speak of ocean if you've never been. To me, that was, that was cool because we tried to describe this Yahweh, this Trinity that lives in us. But until you experience Trinity in you, there's no way to understand it. I just thought this was really good. This one's really good too. When the song of angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people and to make music in the heart. I like that. The mood of Christmas. Christmas is over-ish, but, hmm. Two more, I think. I, I forget who I found this on, but it's, it's been plastered all over the place now. A toast to the old you. <laughs> it's like a New Year's theme now, so the next couple are New Year's. If you feel inspired to use the New Year to help you reset or change habits, great. And yet... 
The old you has survived every terrible day, every hard thing, every awful circumstance, and every heartbreak you ever felt. The old you is a fighter, and that's worth celebrating. I thought, that's a really good thought. We sometimes look at our troubles as evil and separate ourselves from it. That's not the real me. But our difficulties are actually part of our journey. We don't like it. In fact, some of them are just awful. But to dismiss it in the quick way that we typically do at New Year's. I'm going to go for the new me. Well, maybe know the old you better. The new you is, is really the old you. And you have to wake up to what's already in you, which is what we've been talking about here at Hope Fellowship for years. Know your true identity. Here it is, last one. Gentle goals for a new year. If you need a nice, calm way to look at your resolutions. Watch more sunsets. Share smiles with strangers. Discover a new favorite song. Say yes to adventures whenever possible. Try a new recipe. Read good books. Lori's there for sure already. Oh my. Say what you mean. Treat yourself with respect and affection. Hydrate. Listen with interest and compassion. Allow gratitude to change you. Spend time in nature. Create. Love hard. Dream wildly. Ring every drop of goodness from each day. Live deeply, courageously, and honestly. And be open to wonder and delight. And the only way you can be open to wonder and delight to actually have your antenna up and, the, and your search set. If it's unplugged and you're not looking, you won't find it, guaranteed. And some people that you know don't have their antennas up because they're going through too much of a crisis. So maybe you be a generator that comes alongside and becomes the encourager for them. I thought it was really good. There, that's, I had another five or six, but I... Uh, Guess what's coming next week? <laughs> so let's get into Henry Nouwen's devotional for today. It's really good. You are beloved. You're going to start to see a theme here, all right? Personally, this is Henry writing, personally, as my struggle reveals, I don't often feel like a beloved child of God. But I know that that is my most primal identity. And I know that I must choose it above and beyond my hesitations. Strong emotions, self-rejection, and even self-hatred justifiably toss you about. But you are free to respond as you will. You are not what others or even you think about yourself. You are not what you do. You are not what you have. You are a full member of the human family, having been known before you were conceived and molded in your mother's womb. In times when you feel bad about yourself, try to choose to remain true to the truth of who you really are. Look in the mirror each day and claim your true identity. 
Act ahead of your feelings and trust that one day your feelings will match your convictions. I'm going to read that again because I love that. Um, Act ahead of your feelings and trust that one day your feelings will match your convictions. Choose now and continue to choose this incredible truth as a spiritual practice. Claim and reclaim your primal identity as beloved child of a personal creator. This is who we are. This is what we need to be reminded of. This is the hope we have. And for some, an epiphany is still coming. What is epiphany? Breakfast at epiphanies. These eggs are astonishing. It's a caffeine miracle. Now I understand hash browns. Come on, Elizabeth, that's funny. Breakfast at epiphanies. That's not what epiphany means, but it's funny. Epiphany. (laughs) The light revealing what has been hidden. I I can't name the source where I get uh, some of the next couple slides from. I forgot, um, but I have access to it. Um, Epiphany is about the light revealing what has been hidden. Jesus came as the light of the world. The apostle John told us light came into the world and described Jesus as the light of some people. No, all. The light of all people, which enlightens those who say the correct prayer? No, it enlightens everyone. If you've not studied into this, yeah, but have you studied these other verses that say all these obligations, blah, blah, blah? Uh, I have. My whole life I have. And I didn't see some of these verses. In fact, I kind of blew them off into another category. They weren't not there. They just, I never associated with the profound love of God before. If you have not done that, please revisit, re-see some of these verses and read them word by word as slow as possible until the Holy Spirit kind of goes, uh-huh, eh, 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 ah, you know, epiphany. Like, this, this is possible, I've had that happen with a number of verses. One of my favorite ones is when uh, Peter was up on, uh, on the um, roof sleeping at a tanner's place, a place he shouldn't have been anyway because he's a Jew. And the blanket comes down. He's told to eat the food. And he says, no way, God. That's unholy food, unclean. And he said, well, I made it clean. Nope, not touching it. Nope, nope. Three times. He said, no to God. Seriously. And then uh, somebody comes to the door. He goes up and visits some people. You can read the story yourself. But the summary was... He said, God has shown me that I am not to call anyone unclean or unholy. Two different categories in Jewish readings and writings. This is Peter who is really having a hard time with letting go of the legalism of Judaism who wanted to pretend to be really gracious because he was at a tanner's house. See, I'm living my freedom People live their freedom in Christ differently. Some flaunt it. Here's a funny one, and some of you will get this. Some people like to flaunt their freedom by swearing. I know it sounds silly, but they, they, you know what I'm talking about then. They say, oh, I, I got the freedom now to. Yeah, but you also have the freedom not to. <laughs> you don't have to use that as your signature. How about let love and kindness be your signature instead of, see, I can say all these things. I'm not under legalism. Fine. To me, that's a childish level. 
which is still a level that needs to be grown out of. What's your signature to mark your freedom in Christ? I like this idea of enlightening all people. Is God using you to enlighten others through your kindness, your goodness, or are you still being judgmental towards others and correcting people with bad theology? Wow, please stop if you are. Jesus is not just a light to those who believe. He is the light to all the world. The revealer, the epiphany, the one giving light. It's Jesus, not you. Oh, I'm going to win this person to Christ. Stop it. It's not your job to win someone to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's job who reveals that they're already Christ's. Otherwise, you get a notch in your belt and you build up your pride. And Man, that tower is a, a big thing to fall from. Some don't recover until they cross over. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. They'll recognize the light that is in them. The word epiphany has become a common word for aha moments. I had an epiphany. I had an epiphany this morning as I studied the problem. I had an epiphany as I read that passage of scripture today. It was as if I'd never read it previously. You get what I'm saying here? The common theme of epiphany is manifestation, which, what does that mean? Making what is hidden more widely known. Taking what is hidden, making it revealed. What's a word from the book of Revelation that almost means the exact same thing? Anybody know? To take and reveal. What? I thought it means destroy and utter, you know, know, whatever. No, apocalypse is about revealing. It's time to rethink our definitions. That's a free one. You can look that up later. What if it means more than what you and I have been told? Epiphany can also refer to the visible manifestation of a deity, which is why some churches in the Orthodox traditions use the word theopany rather than epiphany. Theophany refers to the visible manifestation of humanity of God, God shining forth. Jesus coming as a baby is that epiphany. It's the light coming, the revealer, who then, what, what's one of the biggest things Jesus reveals as he speaks and teaches? The, one of the biggest things he reveals. Anybody remember? Or You can guess, you're not gonna really get it wrong, but there's one biggie. His father. He is revealing his father because they've gotten it wrong for so long. And he comes and says, I'm going to show you what my daddy's really like. Because, man, some of these descriptions you've written about, I don't even know who you're talking about. I understand, but they're incomplete. Let me show you. Because, by the way, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. We're the same. Yeah, but you're loving and kind. What about the God who's angry? Jesus just says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, we're the same. But what is about, the, exactly, but what about? We're consumed with whatabouts. That's a problem. As if we have to have an absolute answer. Our Western culture is just sucked into and addicted to dogma and correctness and being right. There's a mystery that's hard to understand, and only the Holy Spirit can reveal it to you. 
It's no longer, it's, I thought it was, really I did, I thought it was my job to help everybody see it. But it's not. I can only share with you my excitement of what I, how I've come to see it. That's the only thing I can do, show you how I have come to see some of these things. And other people have seen it differently, and I hear their stories go, that's a really cool way to see it. I never heard that before. And we learn from each other. As God gets bigger and better, and more importantly, we begin to see people differently and start loving them more authentically. Come and see. Jesus says that in John chapter 1, verses 39 to 41. But we look back at the gifts of the Magi. What happened there? This is all about the epiphany, theopany. This is the star that guides Gentiles to a future king. Right from the get-go, we have Gentiles involved in this story that are already having their antennas up looking for this coming Messiah that's been prophesied. Gentiles, not just Jews. Baptism. There's a voice that identifies Jesus as beloved son. That's why that devotional, beloved, know your beloved. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He didn't even do anything yet. He didn't even heal anybody. Like seriously, we got this idea and notion that we get our value and worth from what we do. Oh, he did a great job. We feel good. and That felt so good. We need to hear it again. So we try harder and harder and harder. It's called child. We're, we, we do this as children. But when we're accepted because of who we are, then freedom is lived out. We have some unlearning to do. His first miracle made wine, like brimming pots, which reveals his miraculous power. We joke about the wine a lot, but the wine is powerful. The wine is intoxicating. Oh, that's bad. Oh, no, I got Baptist roots. That's terrible. No. Listen, there's something okay with this that we have not been told. Some of our cultures have been too cleaned up and we don't allow any room for discussions on the wine. Well, that's a nice story, great. Mm -hmm. Cool miracle, move on quick because I'm uncomfortable now. But the wine represents communion too. The wine, the blood, the intoxication, the controlled by, the spirit of Christ in you. There's a lot of connections here. They're all connected for those who have ears to hear. Come and see how he teaches his disciples. How he teaches his disciples. He doesn't lambaste them and go, man, I've told you 20 times. Although you can kind of infer that from some of the translations. It, It can seem like he does that once in a while. But the pattern of teaching has been modeling, gentleness, and doing what every, the opposite of what every other religious leader would do. <laughs> How he heals the sick and focuses on the hurting and lost, he's attracted to the hurting and lost. He's attracted to injustice. Are we? If Christ is in you, that's a fruit of the life of Christ. Watch and we learn what it means to bring light to darkness. I think that's the point this morning. The epiphany of us being light, the light living in us. How then do we bring light to darkness? If someone's having a moment of darkness or months of darkness, a year of darkness, a lifetime of darkness, how do we be light? And don't tell me to preach a sermon to them. That's the worst thing you can do. 
You find out how to love them through relationship. And you may not even be the person that's called to do that. You're not obligated to do that for every single person. In fact, it might be a good point to ask the Holy Spirit to really confirm if you're the one, because unfortunately, guilt and shame sometimes causes us to try and help people out of guilt and shame, not love. Only you can answer that. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. It does not say that they may hear all your good doctrine. It says that they may see your good works. It does not say that they may hear your corrections of of the other people's bad theology. It says to see your good works, model it, be light. Second Corinthians 3.18, and all of us with unveiled faces seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. I love this line that we are being transformed. Are we fully there? Nope. But we are being transformed. And somebody else's transformation may look different. You go, oh, I want that one. You can't do that. That's not how it works. The people chase after uh, the big show or the big healing or the big transformation and they're addicted to newness. So give me something new. You can't even handle the old. (laughs) Second Corinthians 4, 5 to 6 out of the message. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. That is really important. I haven't seen it so bluntly before. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness. And our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. Let's close with a prayer of Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Heavenly Father, wake us up to the glory in us already. And may our minds be transformed. 
May you wake us up and grow us up. Each of us are at different stages and different places along the path. It's not a competition, but we can all understand and just love each other. Show us how to do that. I pray this in Jesus' name.